Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Democrat Laura Curran, the first woman elected county executive on Long Island, breaking a glass ceiling and vowing to break with the past. Laura Curran joining us live. It's Cut to the Chase with Laura Curran. Entertaining and informative. Thought-provoking conversations that get right to the point. Observers say her future is bright. You're here to tell us more about it, Laura Curran. Now here's Laura Curran. Happy Sunday, everyone. So we've got a big show. I've got three guests, all of whom I am super excited about. Uh, before I get to that, I want to uh, point out, if you were listening to Cut to the Chase last week, you may have heard my interview with Tom Kenneth, who ran this quixotic campaign as a Republican running for Manhattan DA against Alvin Bragg. Of course, we know how that went. Now, the news is Tom Kenneth is the lawyer for Daniel Penny, who may or may not be charged by Alvin Bragg's office for the chokehold death of Jordan Neely. Um, this is a really difficult story to talk about. There are it's just a tragedy all around. And it's a bit of a Rorschach test, I think, where you're coming from politically. Uh, but, you know, as always, I think the nuances are much more complicated and we got to wait to see where the facts are, what actually happened leading up to that. All right. With that, uh, I want to introduce my, well, I'll tell you my first guest is a guy named Tim Miller. He may be new to WABC radio audiences. Um, he's a former political consultant for Republican candidates like Jeb Bush, Mitt Romney, John Huntsman. Uh, and he's got this podcast that one of my best friends turned me on to. It's The Bulwark and it's very Interesting, gossipy, but really in-depth stuff. We're going to get to him in a second. Next, we have Brian Kilmeade for a wrap-up of the news of the week, of which there was a lot. There always seems to be a lot. And then uh, at the end of the show, we're going to talk to my friend William K. Rashbaum. He's a senior writer on the Metro staff for The New York Times, and he's following the Bragg versus Trump case in the courts. And there's a lot of nuances there as well. Um, now, listeners, if you want to take us with you, Please download the WABC Radio app. You can listen to us online at WABCRadio.com. And at the very end of the show, I want to talk to you. Always my favorite part. So call 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. And we will have our conversation with you. But first, Tim Miller. He... Uh, I read his book when I was in Croatia last summer. It's called Why We Did It, a travel log from the Republican Road to Hell. Hope the paperback is coming soon. It was the number two New York Times bestseller. Uh, and it, he basically divides, it's sort of like a sociological study of the Republican enabling of Donald Trump. So it's sort of dividing the political class, the polls, the consultants, the pollsters, the politicians into different sort of archetypes of enablers. Uh, Tim Miller has also written for Rolling Stone. He has a great podcast called The Next Level. He's on with Charlie Sykes of The Bulwark every Friday. It's a must listen for me. Uh, so Tim, I'm really excited to talk to you. Welcome to Cut to the Chase. 
Wow, that is quite the intro. Thank you. You're reading me in Croatia. You're listening every Friday. (laughs) Hopefully uh, other people will take you up on this. This is good stuff. And people can come and see you live here in New York City on May 18th. You're at Symphony Space. I bought my ticket. I hope I'm not coming on as too much of a fangirl, but I'm really excited for that. I think there's a few tickets left, right? If they want to meet you, if they're fangirls of you, they should come out on May May 18th because they'll know that you'll be there. And if they like, you know, what I say over the next few minutes, maybe come see us. Us too. Molly Jong Fast will be with us and the rest of the Bulwark crew. It's going to be fun. We, we have some tickets left. A bunch of tickets are sold. We're excited about it. So what can people expect from a live podcast show? <laughs> yeah, I was like, would I go to a live podcast? I'm not so sure. So, you know, and this is my first. I've never been attracted before. Yeah, some people love the live podcast. Um, you know, we um, uh, uh, you know we'll, we'll get into what is that, whatever's happening uh, on the news of the day. We'll do some funny bits to kind of keep keep it moving. Um, we're going to hang out afterwards and you know chat politics with people, sign books if they if they want to bring them along. So it's usually pretty fun. People have a few drinks. I have a few drinks on stage and. You get me to let loose a little bit on, on, you know, whichever politicians deserve it that week. Maybe the Texas Republicans this week and their response to the tragedies down there. I don't know. Or yeah. you know, maybe Eric Adams. We're in New York City. Who knows? We That's right. Eric Adams a little bit. Yeah. So uh, that'll be that'll be so much fun. Ha- now, just to, to switch gears a little bit. So I've been following what you're talking about uh, when it comes to Ron DeSantis versus Donald Trump and how Donald yeah. Trump was – you know, he made his announcement. Everyone's like, well, he's kind of done. It was kind of sad. The, you know, only mate Matt Gates was there. He was sort of the only bold face. Matt name. didn't even make it. He said he had to wash his hair. Uh, oh, he didn't even he make, didn't it. make it. He said he was supposed to be there, but he didn't even show up. And, the, you know, the Fox wasn't really covering the New York Post wasn't really covering him. And it was all about Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis can do it. He's the kind of guy we need. He's got the Trumpy stuff without the bad Trumpy stuff. Uh, but now he's plummeted. You you call him in very Trumpian fashion, Tiny D, which I think is a great nickname. Uh, and it seems that Trump has, whether you like him or not, an authenticity. He's himself. He's not trying to be anything but Donald Trump. Whereas you have someone like Ron DeSantis comes in. He just feels very market tested. He feels very focus grouped. He feels very awkward. Um, and it's almost like it's a strip tease, but a reverse strip tease where the more he exposes of himself, the less sexy he becomes to voters. <laughs> okay, that was a bad mental image for Sunday <laughs> afternoon. But um, yeah, here's the thing with DeSantis. And I, I'm, you know, had been more bullish on him than, you know, maybe some of the other folks um, at the Bulwark. I, I lived through 2016. You know, I was on Jeb's campaign, so I know what it's like to get humiliated by Donald Trump and get beaten by Donald Trump. And I, I think I have a sense of what it takes to beat him. I, I helped the outside group that was supporting Biden in 2020. And, and the problem in 2016 was that like, Trump does have this kind of raw animal authenticity. It's not, it's, it's fake authenticity, right? But it's, you know, he's lying all the time. But, right. But you can sense that he's like, there's something about it that you're like, oh, he's giving you real Trump, you know, even if he's even if he's exaggerating, even if he's lying. Right. And in politician speak, if you go up to him, like he has this huge advantage because he can he can use this vast, you know, family of language that he, uh, um, uh, you know, uses to attack other people. You know, while the politicians then, you know, sound very rehearsed and phony. So with DeSantis, I always thought that he had a better chance than anybody in 2016 because he had this elevator pitch that was very simple. It's like I won in Florida, Trump lost. 
you know, all the Trump candidates lost in the midterms. You know, mm-hmm. I, can't, I went up against Fauci. I went up against the left on COVID and I won. You got to stick with me. Right. Nobody had an elevator pitch that was that good in mm-hmm. 2016, mm-hmm. you know, versus Trump. The problem is anytime DeSantis gets outside of that elevator pitch, he just comes off as so weird. And, mm-hmm. and, and I think he's obsessed. He's getting down to the fever swamps, you know, with these, and he's fighting with Disney and he, he t- use all these, uh, these uh, abbreviations. He's like DEI and ESG. And he's really, and, and nobody knows what he's actually real. talking about. Nobody no one's talking about. Yeah. No one's as yeah. immersed in all of this. Regular people are just living their lives, but somehow he yeah, thinks, so, you know, cause it catches on maybe in very much right wing media. These are the little trigger words that yeah. get people all excited. I think that's right, right? And I think that the people that staff his campaign are people who are involved in these world, who are on Twitter, who are in these kind of battles, you know, for people who are super involved in politics and are obsessed about it and, and you know, and, and really care that Dylan Mulvaney was on the Bud Light can and really care about, you know, all of these other, like, random controversies of the day. And so DeSantis has gotten really wrapped up in all that. And, and to move away from your strip piece in LSG, like, <laughs> like, the more that he gets into every issue, you know, the comparison I have for him is it kind of was like Elizabeth Warren, right? Where it was mm. like it seemed at the front of her campaign that she was going to be the strong one in 2020 on the Democratic side. But, but the more you got to know her, it just didn't wear right. You mm-hmm. know, and, and she was too up, she was too too focused on these extreme issues, too ideological. And, and and it ended up, you know, appealing to a certain portion of the Democratic base, you know, 20 percent, 15 percent, but not enough to win a primary. And I'm, I think that's where DeSantis is heading right now. He, he has time to change course. He hasn't even launched his campaign yet. And all this is happening. He does have time to change course. But, man, I, it, it definitely feels like he like doesn't have it. for going. Yeah. To and, and, you know, he keeps talking about woke. And I know that that's a trigger. To get people excited. But it's almost like, you know, when I was a kid, it would be some middle-aged square guy talking groovy, saying groovy all the time. It just it just sounds kind of bizarre. But listen, I want to ask you. So you are a former consultant. Uh, Is this so with Warren? I think that's a really good comparison with with DeSantis. What is the responsibility of the consultants? Are they telling them to be something that they're not and then it just doesn't work because when you're not authentic, people can sniff it out. Yeah, you know, well, so, uh, so I, on the next level, I just interviewed Larry Wilmore about this. Is Hollywood asked him for his advice on this point on Kamala Harris? And, and like, by the way, I just want to remind the listeners, I'm talking to Tim Miller. You're listening to WABC. Go. Yeah, and um, and his advice for Kamala Harris, which is, I'm about to give the same thing for Elizabeth Warren and 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 now DeSantis, is actually be coached less. You know, let yeah. it rip. You know, say what you really think. Like when you're worried about appealing to a certain group or when you're worried about you're going to make a mistake, it just – that makes – that compounds the problem. And I think that's the case. And as a consultant, part of the problem is some people just like aren't natural performers. And I think this is true for DeSantis. I felt this way with Jeb. You know, Jeb was awesome when we were having a scotch behind the scenes. Mm. And then he'd go on stage with Trump. And it wasn't really that we were overcoaching him, I don't think. It was just like that wasn't his – like he didn't swim naturally in the water, right? And so you try to give him some, um, you know, uh, some tools like to help him, you know, perform better, uh, you know, up there. And uh, that, that sometimes, 
you know, you, he came off stiff, not because he's a stiff person, but just because like, he's not comfortable in that. Like it's, it's like any person in any environment, like you're not, I'm not comfortable in the weight room. You know, you'll mm-hmm. see if you come out to the event of 518, right? I get uncomfortable in the gym. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm not as good as these people. I don't know how to work the machine. I feel awkward. So, you know, yeah. I'm stuck. Yeah, I, I feel, feel like and dorky. Yeah. Yeah, it shows. And I think that this is the case for DeSantis. He's just not, he, he is not personable. Everyone says that who knows him. You know, I, like a funny little anecdote came out this, this, this morning. My a friend who's a reporter in Florida said, he talked to Bob Iger, said, Bob Iger said, DeSantis hasn't called him. Wow. Like you're in this big fight with Disney and you haven't even called the CEO of Disney who said that he wanted, like who came in and said that he wanted to make a deal. He pushed out the old CEO actually that did go maybe a little overboard on some of this, you know, ideological wow. left-wing stuff. He hasn't even called him. And it's just like, this is not a natural human, right? Yeah. Like, he doesn't know. And I, like, he can do it when he's rehearsed. I think that's what his consultants are doing for him. They're giving him these rehearsed times where he can yell about the woke. And, and I think that appeals to a certain part of the base. But, but, but man, once you get outside of that, it's not working. Right. And if he does run, you, it's very intimate in Iowa and New Hampshire in yeah. people's living rooms and you're at the diner and it's very, you're touching yeah. them and you're talking to them. That's, it's hard to, be, if you're not comfortable to do well there. By it's the way, I got to. He's going to hate that. He's going to hate it. He'll probably have a bottle of Purell. Tim, I got to ask you, um, yeah. the, the exclamation point with Jeb always really bothered me. How did you not feel about fault. that? Okay. Not All my right. fault. Okay. I, I didn't like it. Um, he had. It a, was trying too was, hard. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. He had it in his race in like 94 when he won mm. in a governor's race where, where people didn't pay that close attention to this stuff. So it's kind of this good luck thing. It was like a branding thing back. Uh. In 94, I think maybe back then people, H.W., his dad, you know, was a little bit stayed. And so I think they were like, no, this is his son. He's got vigor. And so they kept it. I didn't love it. I, I don't I don't know that the exclamation point was why we lost, but I certainly don't think it helped. <laughs> it made low energy Jeb just much more delicious, though. <laughs> yeah. um, it didn't help. So we, I was just reading the Washington Post this morning. Biden's job approval is at an all-time low. He's at 60, uh, 36% down from 42% in February. Uh, Democratic-leaning adults, it's a category of person, uh, yeah. are, you know, they think uh, 36% of them think Biden should be the nominee for the Democrats. 58% say someone other yeah. than Biden. Not promising. So one could say this is an opportunity. I know snapshot in time anything can change it's an hour a year and a half away a uh, great opportunity for a strong republican so i'm i'm looking at these and i just want to kind of do a quick lightning round with you if you think they are the one uh nikki haley just really quick before the lightning round yeah i just said this about the biden polls really fast yeah go the thing that's interesting about these calls is, is he, it's his left like he's got problems within his own coalition that's why his numbers are going down and so it, it's not good and, I, and I, you know there's good reason to be concerned about his political standing but like before we said this lightning round and a head-to-head against a weak republican a lot of those folks who maybe don't approve of his job as president, they're worried about because he's too old, they're going to vote for him. And this they will coalesce. Yeah. Yeah, that's what happened in 2020. It was like the people that didn't like either option voted for Biden. <laughs> it was the double dislikers that were the reason that Biden got in there. You don't hear about that a lot. And I guess but, uh, the Democrats are – That was really the key swing vote. But anyway, I apologize. Go ahead with the No, that's now. quite all right, and that's a very good point because he wasn't Mr. Popular at the beginning of 20, for the 2016 campaign, but they coalesced around him. I'm sorry, 2020, but they coalesced around him in the end, which will probably happen again, especially if it's Trump. All right. Um, is Nikki Haley the one? No. Asa Hutchinson? Asa Hutchinson's the one from my heart, but yeah. I, don't, I don't know that it's going to happen for him. Okay. 
What about Mike That's Pence? That's a good sign if I'm rooting for you in a Republican <laughs> primary. Um, are, you st- are you still a Republican? No, I left after uh, 2020. I officially yeah. left the party. I just uh, the, the, the January 6th, the election fraud stuff that more people didn't speak out against them. I, I just said, I can't. Um, um, yeah. This is helpless for me. So I bailed after 2020 over the election fraud stuff. So what about I do like, I do like Asa Hutchinson and, and, you know, so give him a give him a second look if you're listening. <laughs> All right. Asa Hutchinson. He's very he comes across as very sensible. What about Mike Pence? Speaking of January 6th. No. 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 Talk about being in the sour spot. Liberal Tatum, MAGA Republican Tatum. Yeah. Like, the only people like him is mother. I think he's got even right. the worst position maybe, of everybody. I think. Maybe his wife, too. Tim. What about Tim Scott? Boy, I don't. Not again. Not not it. Um, I I don't think that I don't have anything personally against Tim Scott, but again, next to Trump, you know, like he is not. I don't know if you know anything about Tim Scott. It's senator from South Carolina. Yeah, a black senator would be a black nominee. I think there'd be a lot of Republican voters that would like that. You yes, know, very faithful. The notion that Republicans are racist and they're like, oh, see, we are. and so. Uh, but the problem is that he doesn't have that big of a personality. He's single guy. He's, he's a little avuncular. Mm. Uh, you know, I just, I just, I don't know. I don't think that it would, that it would land. Uh, Nikki is more as a better performer than all the people that you said. But yeah. The problem is that she's just so burnt. You know, anybody that was from the pre-Trump era that then tried to sidle up to Trump. And now it's yes. going against him again. It just reads. Oh, yes. you know what I mean? Who yes. are you appealing to with that? Yes. So that's her problem. She's the best performer out of all the people you've said. And I like her sass. I like the way she said, well, Disney, if you want to come to South Carolina, <laughs> we can talk. I loved it. Look, in 2015, I will say this. I loved Nikki. I consulted for her on her reelect campaign. Um, great. She, uh, um, I thought she was a real talent, is a real talent. The problem is that. You know, she was speaking very clearly out against Trump all the way up till 2016. And then she flips on a dime and goes and works for him. Yeah. And and so I think that turned off a lot of people like me who liked her kind of authentic conservative outsider vibe. And then she went with Trump and and now she's running against him. And I think that's turning off the MAGA crowd that likes Trump. Right. And so she's caught in between betwixt and between. And so, uh, you know, different, you know, if, we, if she, we could go back and run the whole tape over again, I think that, she, you know, she might have it in her, but I, I think she's in a tough spot right now. I feel Vivek Ramaswamy is sincere, but I don't know if he's going anywhere. I, I don't know if he's sincere. And I, I've never met him personally, but I will say of all the names you mentioned, uh, he's the only one that has a legitimate chance because he's oh, he from the post Trump world yeah right? this is a, the republican voters not me i'm not speaking for me i'm seeing as a political analyst because i anybody who has any scent of trump on them i don't like but republican voters are the opposite of me they don't anybody that has the scent of bush on them they don't want republican voters might be ready to move on for trump but they still like him and so they want they would want to move on to someone else that feels maga that's that, that their vibe is i come from the trump you know kind of era mm. of republican politics vivek uh, you know, again, I don't know. I haven't seen his Oppo book. <laughs> I'm not sure mm-hmm. what skeletons are in the closet, but he at least has that. He feels authentically MAGA. And so I, I think of the people you named, he he would be the one that would, I wouldn't bet on Interesting. him, but at least, you know, be in the game. Interesting. Well, Tim Miller, I really want to thank you for coming on. Um, hey, listeners, if you like what you heard, get tickets for May 18th at Symphony Space here in Manhattan. Uh, it's going to be a fun night if you agree and if you disagree We like it when people disagree and can have fun at the same time. Uh, I want to thank you so much, Tim. It was really, really fun to talk to you. Thank you. We'll see you in May. All right. See you then. We'll see you in a couple weeks. All right. See you then. 
Listeners, stay tuned. We're going to talk to Brian Kilmeade next about the news of the week, and I think it's his birthday today. Also, at the end of the show, I want to hear from you, 800-848-WABC. We got some people calling, and we got some juicy stuff uh, people want to talk about. So come back after the break for Brian Kilmeade. Laura Curran joining us live. It's Cut to the Chase with Laura Curran on 77 WABC. Welcome back to Cut to the Chase. I am happy to introduce my next guest, no stranger to WABC, and to our lovely listenership, Brian Kilmeade. Welcome to the show. Hey, Brian. I think, is it your birthday today? All right, we're going to see if we can get Brian on the line. I think it's his birthday today. I'm not going to tell you how old he is, but you can find out on Wikipedia, where I did. So Brian Kilmeade, as you know, has been co-host. Actually, I didn't realize it was for this long, for 25 years on Fox and Friends, on Fox News. He's host of One Nation with Brian Kilmeade that airs on the weekends. He's host of The Brian Kilmeade Show, which airs right here on WABC on weekdays from 10 to noon. So, Brian, is it your birthday today? Ah, uh, that is true. You are uh, so is, you are so sweet to come on and talk. I I, uh, I appreciate that you uh, are joining us, and very happy birthday to you. Which is, I think, a, a technically a national holiday. So I think most people are off today. That's so right. In honor of my birthday, I'm pretty sure it's the I day of Brian. <laughs> yes, but now this is important stuff. The world doesn't stop. I mean, especially on a Sunday. No, uh, things are pretty intense. What's what's happening right now? Everywhere you look. Yeah, a lot of intense stuff in the news right now, and I want to get to that. Uh, but before I do, you know, I realized reading your Wikipedia page that you've been co-host of Fox and Friends for twenty-five years, so you have seen a lot. Um, you've, I have. You've got One Nation with Brian Kilmeade that airs on Fox over the weekends. You have the Brian Kilmeade Show that airs every weekday for two hours. You write books. You have a family. You have three children. They're involved with sports. I just have a very quick personal question for you. How yeah. do you manage it all? We all have busy lives, but you seem to be able to uh, articulate things intelligently for five hours a day, have a family, write your books, you know, live your life. How do you do it? How do you pri- prioritize things? You know, I, I don't know. Um, I appreciate the question. I mean, well, part of it is I get my day started. I got four or, four or five hours in before anyone wakes up. Hmm. And that allows me to hit the ground running. So by the time I, I'm on the air at 6 o'clock, I've covered an uh, incredible amount of news, so much information. So I'm able to do that, go right to radio, and then you do contribute along the way. And then at the same time, when you're done, it's 2, two 3 o'clock in the afternoon unless they need you to do something like the five or a nighttime show. And then you could focus on special projects, you know, so I could go and do, I'm looking at Booker T. Washington, Teddy Roosevelt, mm-hmm. uh, how these guys impacted race relations and, like, and pioneered a very difficult time. But I'm able to do that after two o'clock. I'm able to work on that. And I bracket that out along with the stuff you got to do. You got to be on the five. You got to be on from six to nine. You got to be on from nine to noon. But the other stuff, you kind of plan and set it up. And now that my kids are older and I'm not coaching, um, it makes it even a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. So I just take it, you know, I know um, these are all opportunities. Right. These aren't, this is a privilege to be able to pursue this, to get a publishing deal, to be able to do it, to have people ask you to do a radio show. So you got to perform it. To stay with the morning show is not something you take for granted. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm kind of lucky in that respect. So I, I, that's how I take it. 
because in our business, there's so many really talented people mm-hmm. without great jobs like I have. And I knew how long it took me to get the job at Fox. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I'll give myself credit for is I realized how great it was right away. A lot of people don't. A lot of people thought there were a bunch of jobs like that. I was, I knew for a fact there weren't. So I held on, you know, I got hired as a sports guy and I was able to uh, capitalize on my news knowledge and stick around. So Brian Kilmeade, you did start as a sports guy and I'm wondering, you know, covering sports, what are the similarities to covering politics? Very similar, especially this time of year. Strategies, game Mm. plans, executing in the clutch, whether it's the debates or game day, I get it. So are appearances, so are big interviews. You make a mistake or you you make news. How do you handle that? How are you going to handle the attack? That's right. Who's coaching? So, Brian, I think we might have a little bit of static there. Are you back? Okay. All right. We lost him. We're going to get him back. Uh, I really want to talk to Brian uh, about a few things. I want to talk about the Jordan Neely, Daniel Penny story. You may have heard uh, the choke, the Marine veteran who choked a homeless man and he died. And the Manhattan DA is looking at it at the moment, which I see as a real Rorschach test for where people are politically, how they feel about it. Uh, to me, this is a story. We don't know the whole story. We don't know what led up to uh, the alleged, uh, the alleged. well, it's not alleged. It's been ruled a homicide, but no charges have been brought yet. I know that the Manhattan DA is looking at that. Title 42 is being lifted on Thursday. That's another huge story that is already starting to uh, have a big effect uh, down at the border in Mexico and in the United States on that side of the border. I also wanted to talk to Brian about the Ukraine because he's got some pretty nuanced and also quite strong feelings about what's going on in Ukraine. Um, I, I think the folks in the Republican Party are not lockstep, nor are folks in the Democratic Party. So that's another thing that uh, we're very much interested in talking to Brian about when he comes back. And he's back now. Brian, do we got you back? Got me back. All right. So I wanted to talk to you about the F train chokehold, the uh, Marine veteran Daniel Penny putting Jordan Neely in a chokehold, which I see, you know, everyone's got an opinion who weren't there, you know, we weren't there, I wasn't there, we don't know what led up to this, but I see this sort of thing as a sort of Rorschach test for where people are politically. They'll see in this what they want to see uh, without necessarily having the facts. How do you, I feel like there's more and more of that in our culture right now where people will, will jump to the conclusion, take a side, because they're either on the right or they're on the left. Well, I think you're right. I, I, where you stand, I, I just, there's no race involved in this. Mm-hmm. People should understand there's nothing to do with it. I'm on the F train six times a month. I just got to get to 34 sometimes as quick as I can. And now with these new schedules with, uh, with Grand Central, you got to get, so if I have an opportunity, I'm just going downstairs at Fox, I'm hopping on a train and I'm going on the F train a lot. Yeah. And I'm telling you, they're all wacky people on, and they're not all black, they're not all Hispanic, they're not all white. It is a mix. And you know, whether they're sitting there shirtless or asleep on a bench, I've never seen it in my 25 years where there's more people who are menacing, who look un- unbalanced. So you say to yourself, well, what happened? I don't know. Maybe we'll see the video eventually. We see a lot of it. Well, if you ask me to imagine what happened, this guy's being belligerent. You look at his background, 44 arrests. 
So yeah. look at his background, punching a woman in the face, and still she's still dealing with brain damage today. And then you see a guy who's got no history of violence. I know a few people that know him, and I'm pursuing that angle right now. Uh, just out of the Marines after doing his four years mm-hmm. and sees an opportunity to maybe help other people because a lot of people on there, they're, they're not, the, as AOC says, rich Marines. Rich people get a chance to choke out other people and not pay a price. That makes no sense. You know, when's the last time you saw a rich Marine in your life to make $30,000? No. Uh, unless you get 20 years, you're not even having a pension. So you know, this guy locked it up and maybe held it too long. To me, this is not a race issue. If you see one of the guys holding the arm is a black guy. That's right. And so there's so much more. And I got to tell you, I was on your show this week. I also took the F train. I ride the subways a lot. I take the Long Island Railroad. I take the subways. Um, I have a young daughter in her early 20s who takes the subway. And, you know, we have conversations about what we see. And it's 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 really rough and it's tough. And you can understand how something like this could happen. Uh, I'm, I'm, we've also done this. Why don't people do something? When Adam Klotz, our weather guy, was getting beat up, why didn't someone try to help him? Mm. Well, now you know. Mm-hmm. Now you know. And I have, a, I have a, a good friend of ours on our crew, and you've probably seen him before. He's a, he's a, a world champion jujitsu guy. Mm-hmm. And he's afraid of getting locked up in a situation like that, even though he could control it, because he is elite trained. And he's wide open to a lawsuit. He's got a family. But he doesn't want to see. He says, I can't put my hands on somebody to help out. Now nobody is going to put their hands on anybody. So if you are a 60-year-old woman trying to get back on a train and some 30-year-old unbalanced schizophrenic lunatic wants to punch you in the face, do not be surprised when people don't do anything right. because they don't want to be. Now his life is at least destroyed for a year. Yep. The family, anybody with that last name. So these people in the subway Blocking the subways over the weekend should be embarrassed, and that governor should be absolutely just she should just walk out of office if she hasn't embarrassed herself enough. Mayor Adams did the exact right thing. Can we wait to find out the details, please? The guy's not running. He talked to the cops. They released him. They talked to the eyewitnesses. How dare you take to the streets and block traffic? I admire Mayor Adams for his caution and for his his calming the situation down and seeing what the facts are. There's a process for this. Let that play out. Uh, another really hot topic this coming up this week is Title 42 being lifted on Thursday. We're already seeing so many migrants uh, c- coming over into El Paso and Brownsville, many more than had been. Uh, what do you think? I mean, there's a huge human toll, huge on this. What do you think politically this will do? for uh, Democrats versus Republicans? Well, put it this way, Laura, I think you're very similar to Henry Cuellar, a Democrat, who Mm -hmm. you just say, hey, how do I solve this problem? Right. Oh, I don't care if the party's mad at me. You want to solve a problem. I've seen it in action with you in Nassau County. I I mean, I would have to ask myself a few times. I didn't know if you were a Democrat or Republican. Mm -hmm. So, and that's just the way, which makes me think you're going to be back in office if that's the path you want to do. I look at Henry Cuellar the same way. He's at the border. What do, what do I have to do to help the people that elected me? That's right. And you can't get a call back from the White House. And the biggest lark is when they say, well, I proposed comprehensive immigration reform. Republicans wouldn't take it up. One thing has nothing to do with the other. Securing the border doesn't mean a massive legislation. It means securing the border, doing the things necessary 
to send the message to the rest of the world, including the thousands of Chinese engineers. Think about that for a second. That are coming to our border who think this is the time to get into the best country in the world and live for free. Mm. And New York is being overwhelmed right now. Now that I heard they might even convert JFK, an empty hangar at JFK. Let me ask you, when they get there and they get their box lunch and their box dinner, then what do they do? There's nothing even near there. So they're going to just flood into Queens? I mean, uh, what are they going to panhandle up the Buck Parkway? So what are we doing? Why isn't there people just blitzing this administration to do something? Instead, 1,500 uh, army, army men and women who are told, even though you're wearing camouflage, you have been trained. I want you actually filling out paperwork. I mean, this stuff is just, it's not hard stuff, but it almost looks intentional. Like they want 7 million people here unscreened. And that's scary to me. And you're right. It, it's obviously happening at the border, but... The implications are happening in the whole country. We see that here in New York. Uh, we see, you know, Mayor Adams struggling. I say like he's shouting into the wilderness for help from fellow Democrats down in Washington, whether it's the congressional delegation, whether it's the president. I mean, yes, the governor sent him a billion. He's going to send a billion bucks in this new budget. That's great. A lot more needs to come from Washington. And it's nobody's helping him, you know, and it's the local folks. It's the mayors, it's the county executives, it's the local leaders who are left holding the bag who have to care for these human beings who are coming in. And they are coming. They are. And now the mayor is saying, you know, if for those upstate communities, we're going to need your help. You know, the one, we actually are sending some to college, which is unbelievable to me. But uh, the others, the upstate communities are saying, hey, we need, some, we need to alleviate some of the pressure in New York City. Well, where's the governor on this? The governor should be down there in the, in, the, in the JFK hangar having a press conference calling out this administration. They mm-hmm. all should. And, and like that mayor from El Paso, I have no patience for. He says, oh, things aren't bad. You didn't clean up and sanitize El Paso when the president came down. The president's totally detached. He's hanging out in Delaware looking at his, uh, his, uncla- his classified documents by his Corvette, and he's not in the eye of the storm. Mayork is sitting there saying we, passed comprehensive Im- we should pass comprehensive immigration reform. Is, is a laughing in the face of the people wearing green who are desperate now. Evidently, we're up to 8,000 a day. It's going to get to 14,000 by the middle of the week. What do we do with these people? If that, if for those people who volunteer and go to Haiti and go to, and, and go to Central America and build houses and help, that's fine. As a country, if we allow all these people to come in, they might be the finest people in the world with the best stories, we will not be a country anymore. So ask yourself, what did what matters most to you? Being America first, putting the people here, those those fourth graders in an American classroom with American families, they deserve a good education. If you double the size of their class and those kids go for free and they use the special services, English and second language, and your kids are now not getting a good education, being ignored, the kids who don't even speak Spanish or English have another language are getting the attention. That's more tax dollars. And people shake their head, throw up their hands and go, I'm out of New York. I don't need this. I'm going to go to Florida. They already passed strict rules. We don't have to deal with that. You know, so I, I'm, I'm, people are, are going to react to this. And, and saying and allowing this to happen, I almost, I'm glad it's happening so, so bad that he's going to have to take action this week. That, that's my hope that things get so bad 
the president has called out on this. He's got 34 percent approval rating when it comes to the border. I think it's going to drop to 10. You know, Brian Kilmeade, I think people look to elected leaders to solve problems and to keep things running. I don't you know, maybe the dramatic stuff gets the clicks and the likes and all of that. But at the end of the day, people don't want to even have to think about government too much. They just want things to run. They want problems to be solved. But I'm wondering if there's a lack of focus on this on the federal government because it is such a political hot potato and it will draw attention to a problem that they don't want to focus on because it's not a good look for them. But then if that's the case, and I don't know if you agree with me, if that's the case, then they're not doing the fundamental job of solving the problem. A hundred percent. I mean, I'm sure you've talked to people in Nassau County and Suffolk County. Listen to us. I have more of a handle of that than I do in New York City. But these teachers, when they speak up, are, are basically told, if you keep speaking up about the double size of your classroom, the attention given to illegal immigrants, all of a sudden you have six new students and you don't know where they're from or what they need, where their parents are. If you speak up, you get fired, moved out, suspended. So a lot of teachers listening to us right now are saying, we are actually in the line of fire in Long Island. I mean, I did somebody on MS-13, and they were just go, I was sitting there with the special gang unit, and they were telling me these sponsors who are getting these kids from the border, the unaccompanied minors. By the way, does it bother anyone that there's 80,000 kids we can't find missing, in our country? Missing, missing. Yeah. Think about does that. Does that bother anybody? How could that Children. be a question? I'm depressed. Yeah. yeah. So, so, with they, so they put them into working-class areas. They're not putting them into the upper-class areas where people have a lot of political clout and money to make these problems go away. Yeah. So you put them into Brentwood, mm-hmm. and you say, well, what are they going to do? You know, first-generation immigrants, and the classrooms are already stressed out. Well, put them in these with sponsor families, and a lot of them join gang units, and a lot of them are, don't have the political power to get anybody's attention. And I just think it's terrible. And I just think that the people that evidently vote Democrat more than anything else are the ones being abused the first and the ones with the power. You know, I put them into Beverly Hills High School. Believe me, you know, those those kids are not they're not they're not going uh, they're not going to Chaminade. uh, Mm -hmm. I'm sure of that. So we'll see. Um, I, I think that there's a lot of people that could solve this problem, but they choose not to. And the average person. Uh, It's affecting all of us in so many different ways, the least of which is uh, the tax dollars. Where is it going to to make our our country better or to make other countries, citizens, uh, make them a part of our country, which they want to circumvent the system to do? I'll give my last example. I got uh, my daughter's graduating from college and they got some Canadians there and they're hockey players Mm. and they cannot stay if they don't have a job. And then you've got to turn around and prove that the job the Canadians are getting even though they were educated in America, uh, wasn't, wouldn't be also be filled out by an American. And if it is, that company gets in trouble and have to prove over and over again that this unique talent that this Canadian has is better. And this is a stressful project, prospect. Mm. Now, think about this. You're going through those rigors, and all you have to do is go to the southern border. You get your ticket stamp, and in 10 years you'll have a hearing. Think about the difference in the way we're treating people. Brian, I have you for 15 seconds before I can let you go and enjoy your birthday. Uh, Massapequa Chiefs have to change their name because of a new rule from the state saying that any mascots or names that have Native American roots got to go. How do people in Massapequa, your hometown, uh, not, not too far from me in Baldwin, how do they feel about that? Well, I mean, they're very upset by it because nobody has any derogatory thing to say about the Chiefs. They're proud of it, proud of the history. It's, uh, it's something people do not mock. 
Uh, they don't make fun of it. We are proud of the fact that Massapequa Indians were in this area, Takapusha. We all know the history. We learn about it, Braves. And I didn't see this big uproar. This seems like pure politics and I have everything to do. Now you're going to put more millions of dollars in to rip up end zones, to redo decals, to redo bumper stickers. Waste of money. And your school board has to pay for it. they got to find the money. Right. And if they don't, they lose their school funding. To me, what a waste of money. Brian Kilmeade, I want to thank you so much for coming on Cut to the Chase. And I'll see see you around the neighborhood. Laura, thank you so much. Appreciate everything. Happy birthday. Thank you. Stay tuned after the break, talking to William Rashbaum of the New York Times about Trump v. Drag Bragg. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 